Hello, 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 and welcome to I Turn My Podcast On, the one and only super fanning, career-spanning podcast all about the greatest rock band of our time, Spoon. Today's episode is very special. It's the closest thing you'll ever get to a live episode, as in there's no bumper music as you just heard. The production is very minimal. Uh, Really all I've done is clean up a couple things uh, for clarity purposes. Uh, Per usual, a large truck drives by, try to get rid of those things. Um, But it was recorded a few hours ago, and I really wanted to get that live feel as it's kind of just a snapshot of now, current time. It's February 13th, 2023. The Grammys were last week. We talked about the Grammy nomination. We talked about the year in review, getting back out to shows, the kind of current state of the band, what we can expect for 2023. And then one of my favorite things is interactions with you, the fans, the listeners. So I got as many fan questions as I could, and we chatted about that. And we went on some tangents because of these questions, learned some really cool stuff, uh, chatted for a little over an hour, and it's... Literally just the conversation. There's no review. There's nothing on that aspect. As far as what you can expect for a return to form this year, we'll be getting into the official, unofficial season two. Kind of took a break with uh, the album episodes. There are a lot of work. I'm currently talking with Jim right now, and we're working on uh, his contributions because I've always wanted to talk with him on the podcast. So I'm working that into, you could say, season two, which will start with Gimme Fiction. My all-time favorite album, my favorite Spoon album because it was my first, but also because it's got fantastic songs. And uh, so I am anxious, nervous, excited as I'm working on that stuff because it's it's so special to me. But again, that's what you can expect. Uh, but this was just a really cool time to, to take a moment, step back, talk about this year. Because we this year we put out an episode about Lucifer on the Sofa that I was so grateful for to be able to put out on the same day as the album released, fantastic. We're able to talk with Mark Rankin, the producer. Uh, we also got an awesome interview with Jeff Bird, aka Hot Pockets, their engineer. So we've done some cool stuff. Of course, I wish I could put this stuff out faster, but it's me. It's only me working as best as I can. So thank you so much for all the support. Please continue to follow the podcast, support it on Instagram at I Turn My Podcast On, Twitter at Turn My Podcast On. Uh, We host the podcast right now on SoundCloud, so you can listen and follow there, or whatever app you like to listen to podcasts, whether that's Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we try to be there. But again, uh, thank you so much for all the fan questions, thank you for all the support, and uh, enjoy this episode. Well, hello, and welcome back, Britt, to... I turned my podcast on. It's 2023, February, and we wanted to just chat about a year in review. How are things? Oh, it's good. You know, back in Austin, I was in LA last week. I was I did some writing with Alex for a couple days, and I've been writing with friends here in Austin. And you know, I'm just trying to make that what I'm doing right now. Awesome. So 2022, we're gonna look back because that was a about a year ago, Lucifer on the Sofa came out. You were on a full-fledged tour. First of all, how did that album cycle tour go? How It went fast. I mean, it's kind of hard to comprehend that a year passed since then. But, you know, I feel like the older that I get, the more that time goes faster and faster anyway. But, uh, yeah, it was a good year. Yeah, did you feel like the energy at those shows, because for many people, myself included, you know, it had been a year, maybe two, uh, since someone had been out to a, a show, a live show. Like, did it feel extra uh, exciting to, to be performing again and, and that those type of audiences? It's, it certainly felt exciting for us, you know, um, when we did those first shows back and, you know, really the first, I don't know, six months back, it, it all felt pretty new and... Um, it was, you know, just felt like a, a blessing, you know, to be able to go out there and do this thing that just feels so natural and feels so good. And we just were kept from for so long, you know. And yeah, I did feel it from the audience, too. And I was in a lot of audiences, you know, that were seeing music for the first time. And it was just it was a really um, 
emotional experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the energy from the band and from the crowd reciprocating, it was, yeah, it was like a reboot of everything for, for a lot of people. So it was, it was really cool. Um, did you have any like favorite, you don't have to be super in depth, but any like tour memories or show memories of just a couple things that maybe stuck out in the, the year of touring? Um, what sticks out? Um, you know, most nights were just a, a, were a celebration, you know, a beautiful time, like, like, like most, like live shows are supposed to be, you know, um, almost all the shows were really great. And, uh, if I, if anything sticks out, um, there was, uh, I got sick once I lost my voice, um, playing with, uh, Dan Beckner at Hammerstein ballroom, um, was pretty epic. I hadn't played with him on stage. I hadn't played with him. I hadn't seen him in years. And, uh, we got to do a couple songs with him. Um, uh, meeting Idel Rodriguez, the guy that did the artwork for the record, um, it's become a good friend. And, uh, I don't know, playing at the Ryman was pretty amazing, playing at Corona Capital and to that insane Mexican crowd um, really stands out. Yeah. Yeah. We had a couple questions come in about about uh, those shows with the Mexican audiences, as well as Dan Beckner uh, reunite slash divine fit questions. Uh, we had those several, several questions on that. So uh, awesome. Thanks for sharing that, because yeah, and especially when you talk about the artwork and the album as a whole, looking back as a year, um, how does overall, how did it feel to you and the band, like the reception of the album? Was it what you expected beyond expectations? You, you mean like the critical reception? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was good, right? <laughs> yeah. Very I don't have good. a lot of complaints. It was... Uh, critically really well received maybe our best received record you know what you're saying something yeah agreed and obviously that ties into being a grammy nominated album so right. uh how was that and i mean i know you've shared a little bit about uh, where you were how it felt uh what were all those emotions and feelings like um with the grammy nomination you mean to get nominated yeah I was a bit surprised and, you know, yeah, but very pleasantly surprised. And yeah, we were, we were psyched about it. You know, I, the way I look at it is the Grammy, the Grammys, they miss a lot of important big things a lot of the time. So I, um, I've never really been insulted that we didn't get nominated before, but, and I, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if we weren't again, but when we were, um, recognize that was uh that was really nice sometimes yeah. they get it sometimes they don't yeah there's a long history of them not not getting it so i mean you know people argue well they they not they nominate based on names they nominate based on um you know the marketing and not always the quality of the music these these people that you know vote are are listening well, a lot of it is based on name recognition you know i mean right the the, the people who are voting are people in the Academy. They're musicians and artists and producers. And um, so you can't really fault them for voting however they want, but it's not, it's not some uh, overlords that are just making these decisions uh, on their own. But I would say that, yeah, you look at this huge list and there's a lot of names you don't, you don't know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then some you know, and they, you gravitate towards those. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes human nature that way. And, right. uh, but, you know, I, and for the fans too, especially, um, you know, people love the band a lot. And there's always that, uh, that discussion on indie cred and when, you know, all the, uh, you know, all those things. But uh, I think it's great to, just to get the name out there, the recognition. And, and you know, um, I had a couple people in my life that weren't familiar uh, with the band, uh, but they like saw the Grammy nominations and like, oh yeah, isn't that that band you like? And so that was a uh, you know, cool. it was interesting. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so that let's get into the reaction then, and maybe the the first of all the event. How was how was going to the event? Uh, we saw a couple little snippets of red carpet interviews. 
Um, but how, how was the whole event? It was a trip. It was, you know, I'm really glad we got to do it one time. It was, you know, um, you hear about this red carpet. It's actually this enormous long, uh, room, really huge. I guess they build it. You know, if I, if I'm remembering right, it was, maybe it was a tent. I don't know, but it was a huge, you know, a football field long or something, you know? Yeah. And there's just one media outlet after another. And then there's photos at the end and you're going to, you kind of get pushed through a bit like cattle with uh, the same people. So when we came in, idols was right in front of us. And, uh, and I, you know, I've, I've met them a couple of times before, love them. Um, and uh, so that was cool. Then we, they, then they, they ended up being right behind us during all of the media stuff. So we were kind of hanging with them for about, I don't know, almost an hour, uh, just standing in these lines and, and looking at all the weird shit going on. Um, but it was, you know, it was great. We, I met, uh, re-met Elvis Costello on the red carpet and, um, yeah, it just seemed like we were pushed through with the same people and then seated at the Grammys with the same people. So we kept seeing wet, wet leg, Elvis Costello, turnstile, um, idols. We were just kind of corralled with them all, all day long, you know? Yeah. So, right. So contemporary, um, nominees, you could say, yeah, Elvis Costello idols, um, yeah. as well as yeah, the and the eventual winner of Ozzy Osbourne. So he wasn't there. Oh yeah, he wasn't there. Right. Uh, he had someone accept on his behalf, which they told you not to do in the uh, <laughs> in the run up to it. I watched I, it. Yeah. I watched it live, and yeah, they they did this whole speech in the beginning. Hey, don't do this, don't do this, and like so many people did it. And it was just funny. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why it takes longer. But uh, so yeah, how was that? Um, you know, reception. I think people were fans were super bummed you know, all, all kinds of backlash, but it, that happens every year. There was a great tweet that said that uh, when Spoon didn't win the Grammy, now I know how Beyonce and her fans feel. So, but, but I mean, how did it, how did it feel? I mean, it doesn't ruin the album. It doesn't ruin the experience, but um, yeah. It was it? a minor glitch, you know, and I, I really wasn't expecting to win. I think right at the end, I started thinking, well, maybe it could happen. <laughs> so, yeah. So when we when they announced Ozzy's name, that was who I was predicting was going to win. I, I had thought it probably would be Ozzy, um, and I love Ozzy. I love the music, and I just love him. He's one of the greatest personalities in rock history, and I'm going to miss him when he's gone. Everybody will miss him when he's gone, and that may not be too long from now. You know, so yeah, it's, it's it doesn't does not hurt a bit to lose to Ozzy. Yeah, that that's that's a great way to, and it wouldn't hurt to lose to Idols or Elvis Costello, you know. Yeah, or, or Black Keys. <laughs> I mean, there's it's just uh, yeah, they're all good. They're all really good. They're great artists. We got nominated with. Yeah, um, very gracious, very nice. But no, I, I I agree. Like you know, and as we talked about name recognition too. Yeah, Ozzy's album had a ton of. I mean, Jeff Beck who recently passed, Eric Clapton, all kinds of huge names like featured on the album too. So. I'm sure that didn't that didn't help. Uh, yeah, did you notice in that accept acceptance speech the guy was like a uh, Jeff Beck greatest living guitar player? <laughs> <laughs> he literally just passed away. That was guitar player alive. I think that was that was oh man, that was uh, that's all right. Yeah, he was a young guy. He was a, he was a yeah, I think he was the yeah he was the producer. He's the guy that because I, I watched a uh, Grammy interview uh, with him as well. So mm. interesting. Um, but no, it, like again, I my overall take was I was feeling like you too as as a as a fan, and but also a understanding of how these things work. Um, I never gave up. I wasn't I wasn't like oh this is never going to happen. Um, but I was prepared for, um, you know, someone else winning as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, again, it's it's just super cool to get extra, um, you know, extra attention because the album was so good. And not only did you put out one album. You put out two albums, yeah, uh, and Lucifer on the Moon, which was a great surprise. And so that was my my first question on that is how how long into the process did you realize this was going to be another album? And when it was coming out, like was Lucifer already out, or was that being done? Uh, it was before though? Lucifer came out that we, but the, by then I knew that we had another album coming. Um, but when we started on it, I I can't even remember how long ago it was, but. 
at some point we handed in Lucifer on the sofa and then we started, you know, as soon as you do that, the label starts talking about other ways you can, um, I don't know, maybe they'd say make impressions. And so they talk, start talking about remixes and I, I have a very, you know, hot and cold, um, take on remixes. Sometimes they're worthy of, of, uh, being put on vinyl or, or being listened to. And sometimes they're just, you know, completely superfluous. So I started thinking about who we could work with that would be, um, actually do something that I would find, um, interesting that I would find, uh, relevant and Adrian Sherwood, uh, you know, was sort of a dream get. And, uh, but, but the idea at first was just, you know, work on, um, a couple songs, see what happens. And then, and, and that really was all I thought it was going to be. And, um, but it just went so well. As soon as I, the first thing I heard was his remix of the devil and Mr. Jones. And I say remix, it really was, you know, they, he record, you know, he recorded all these, used some of our tracks and then recorded all this other instrumentation to go along with it. It was really kind of a reconstruction. Um, yeah. That separates it from, and that's a thrill. Yeah, that's a thrill to be able to hear people sort of like take the music in d- direction, take those songs that I was so keenly familiar with after having worked with on them for so long, and to push them into directions I never would have thought of. That's you know, it's really cool for me. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as I heard that one, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I sent it to the band. I was like, "Guys, you got to light up and check this out. It's it's <laughs> it's pretty legit," you know. And everybody loved it. And and Adrian was fun to work on. And he just kept saying, let's do some more. Let's do some more. And then I thought we were done. And then he he's like, I, I can't. We got to do all the rest of the songs. Um, and he just kind of showed up with uh, a few more mixes there at the end. And then we had an album. Yeah. So I said, let's not piecemeal these out. Let's put it all out at one time. Yeah. So that's and that's fantastic because, yeah, it truly was a companion to the to the record because especially with like you're saying many remix projects are you know they're record a little bit but this was completely re you know instruments that never showed up in the original tracks are are here and so it was it was really cool and um yeah i had a really funny conversation with a guy who owned a record shop about <laughs> about being confused how is this going to work i'm like well it's it's another album it's got a different title it's got a different <laughs> he's like yeah. okay fine fine we'll we'll that was going to confuse people <laughs> yeah but uh yeah and they and they came out you know very very separately um uh but was there ever a talk of putting them out together or was that project not done uh, yet okay. no it wouldn't have been possible um i uh, yeah just because you gotta all that stuff has to be done so far in advance sure okay. and i don't think it would have been wise i think it was cool putting it out another whatever it was 10 months later yeah yeah from february to when was it october november something like that yeah it was it was very far uh you right. know beginning of the year end of the year but uh yeah first time spoons ever put out two lps as far as full albums not collections etc in a year which was really cool um yeah. but then that brings us to a couple tracks that we have mentioned in the past but would like to get an update on sugar babies Silver okay. Girl fans want to know. Uh, we know we're not going to get another full album, but uh, some of these songs were released in other countries in different formats: Japanese CD, a, a European flexi disc. Uh, so, do we have any? Can you speak on any anything on that? I don't know. I'm kind of surprised that we haven't done a wide release of Sugar Babies yet. Uh, it, it seems like when we handed in the record, that's what um, the idea was: was we're going to kind of um we have all these extra tracks we had a, a Bo Diddley cover um and then those two songs I feel like there's even more that we were gonna kind of um put out there all all during the year and that we never really got around to that I don't know why maybe there are just too many other things going on um but yeah Sugar Babies has come out in limited release I I, I at some point we'll put it out and Silver Girl I really feel like I want to take another crack at that one. So I'm, okay. I'm pulling it back. Okay. All right, I want to rewrite it, to be honest. I think I think that the if you really want to get down into how the sausage is made, I feel like the um, the uh, track on that, like the band playing, is 
maybe maybe the best or at least one of the best um, performances that we did on you know that group of songs but the vocals I the lyric and vocals were eh not up to, not up to that standard you know so I want to give it another shot fair enough okay so Silver Girl is in the works yeah but yeah Sugar Babies is done we have it on a Japanese CD release um, so it, right? digitally yeah, yeah 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 I got the Japanese CD so uh, you know I can have it digitally and then uh, the, I did not get the flexi vinyl dinked edition that came from uh, somewhere in Europe but uh, but it's good yeah it's 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 good um, it sounds like a loose intro there's a lot of chatter um, I can't tell if it's Mark or who was in the talking in the beginning mostly um, it's Benny I think it's Benny okay yeah, he was having a night that night. Yeah, it's it's got a good vibe. Um, yeah. yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So, anyone want to check it out? Yeah, uh, get it from uh, CD Babies Japan uh, retailers. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, hey man, I appreciate you answering the questions and again, just kind of getting a snapshot into um, the year. Again, it was a really big year for the band as far as the podcast goes. We we soldier on. I'm still working with. Uh, talking with Jim uh, and we were working it through the back uh, catalog, you know, but the kind of had like a season one and a season two, if you will. So this is going to hope to kick off season two where we start with Gimme Fiction and go on from there. But again, taking these like live, these snapshots of what's going on with the band has been, has been fun because yeah, it was, it was a huge year, especially when we had many years when things weren't going on. So um, now uh, we have, again, another reason this podcast exists is because of the fans, for the fans. I'm a fan. And so I've always kind of liked to get uh, as much fan interaction as I can um, going way back to the old message board days. So we got a group right. of fan questions okay, and we'll throw them at you again. I'm going to, I'm going to preemptively say, let's start with this one. Cause I think I have about six or seven times. I know we're talking about Spoon, the great your Spoon had, but <laughs> Divine Fits, they want to know, is there ever going to continue to be a Divine Fits project? I know even in the past you've spoke on it, but uh, everybody loves that record. They love Dan, they probably, love Sam. I think it'll probably happen. Awesome. That's about as good as I can do. <laughs> That's good. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know you've never closed the door on it, and I don't think any any person in the band has closed the door on it. It's just... People are busy and schedules and whatnot, but yeah, everybody loves that record. It's still a, they recently did a re-release on yellow vinyl through a, uh, uh, what was that? A vinyl collection program or a, I forget what that was called. Fan box or something. I can't remember. uh, But uh, that was cool. We did an interview for it. Yeah. And that's included in the, yeah. So you look it up. If you, if you guys want some more divine fits, you can buy the same record, but this time in yellow. All right. (laughs) Let's, let's get, let's get to uh, Rachel's question. She said, any additional tour information for this year? Um, they want to see they want to see you more than twice a year. Uh, right. Things have been uh, announced, but... Yeah, there's a few shows coming up in the States in April and one in May, and then we'd go to Europe with the Black Keys in June and July. I think that there's going to be a run... Uh, probably with another band that's announced for late August, early September. Um, I think that's going to happen, but it's not confirmed. And then, uh, and then after that, I'm sure we'll do more shows. I just, we're not, uh, what, I think we have one maybe in September or something. I don't know if that's been announced yet, but, but I think we'll probably do more shows. Yeah. In the fall. Okay. So yeah, keep an eye out spoonband.com live dates. And, uh, the band will continue to hopefully come to a city or venue near you. Okay. Let's move on to another question from uh, Zen Zen Zen. Um, Simple one. They say achievement, your favorite spoon achievement, meaning lyrics, overall sound, or just like the vibe of a song. I mean, so you could, you can, you can describe achievement however way you want, but maybe something that you felt really good about and maybe worked hard on. Um, I don't know if I can pick out a favorite. First thing that comes to mind is I really thought that that um that Bowie cover was pretty pretty good. That uh, yes, can't give, give everything, everything away. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. surprisingly good. And widely available. That yesterday, and kind of got all right back into the whole vibe of that one. But it's an emotional song. Yeah, that's an emotional song, emotional album. Obviously, you're a big David Bowie fan, and um, yeah, pretty cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, that's widely available for anybody to uh, to purchase and or stream now. So that's very cool. Um, all right, Rico asks, what's the story behind the locked groove at the end of the vinyl version of Lucifer on the sofa? Where did it come from? <laughs> the decision to include it? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a song that we were working on for that record and that we we didn't ever put out. And so we just put a little snippet of it there at the end on the lock groove. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. Drew wants to know, two-parter, do, does he remember people chanting Jim at the recent show in Boston? And then what venue on last year's tour would you like most to, uh, most like to perform on again? Do I remember people chanting Jim? Is that what you said? Yeah, no, Jim, Jim, Jim in Boston. I, I'm not sure I uh, heard that. Or if I did, I forgot. Um, and then I loved playing, I mean, so many pl- good places, but uh, Toulouse in um, New Orleans was was pretty amazing. We did two nights there. And it was just like a really nice, uh, kind of nice little moment in time where we're they it, there what if place is so small there's not really a balcony i mean there's not really a, a dressing room so you, we had this balcony out the front that we were using as our dressing room and it was hot you know it was basically summertime in new orleans and uh just hung out on that on that balcony and <laughs> just uh spent two nights there and it was just it was just a great vibe in there huh. very cool yeah a, a really cool room really small um, what city is that in? In New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's so many great places of vibes and character there. Yeah. Um, okay. There's no city like New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. Uh, G Concord Donahue, what are your favorite drum machines to use for demoing or recording? Um, the Lindrum is my favorite drum machine. Um, the one it's hard to find them uh it's hard to find them in general and it's hard to find ones that are really sturdy at this point but um those are great and then there's one called the hr16 the alesis hr16 that i only reason i use that is because you know i inherited it from a friend you know maybe 30 years ago and i just know it inside and out it doesn't really have fantastic sounds but um super easy to use and I, and I have it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you. Um, Lindrum talk- sounds the best, though. That's that's the best. Feel. Lindrum, L-I-N-D-R-U-M. Yeah, that's okay. what Prince would use uh-huh. for all of the '80s stuff, the, the the biggest hits of the '80s. Beautiful. Um, yeah. All right, Natasha's dying to know. Would Spoon ever do one of these anniversary album tours? Uh, we just celebrated 15 of Gaga Gaga Ga last year. Um, you know, other ones are coming up. Would you do a tour where you play the, the record front to back ever? Uh, maybe. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I, take it, I take it she would want us to. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't elaborate. We didn't ask a follow. Like yeah, you know. And I, I'm guilty of it too, especially because I came into being a fan of the band midway through the uh, album cycles. I mean, Gimme Fiction. So like, you know, seeing and hear, hearing the old tracks, you know, once one a night is really exciting, uh, you know, a Sneaks track or Girls Can Tell track. So I think as fans have really, uh, you know, the fan the fan uh, community has grown, the members of, are the, you know, the number of fans, uh, I think those are always fun, but yeah. Maybe not always I fun for I've you. I've never seen one of those. Maybe um, I think the only one I've seen is Public Enemy do takes a nation of millions, um, which I did love seeing. Um, I don't know. I just haven't thought about it, and it's never really come up. But I would never say never. All and right. Now that, now that it sounds like we've got to vote for it, right? At least two. 
myself yeah. and Natasha, yeah. Okay. And you want it to be gimme fiction? Is oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying anything, you know. I, I'm just saying you, you play most of the nights, what, three, four tracks from gimme fiction? But, like, you know, girls can tell, uh, you know, um, man, a series of sneaks would be a blast. I, you guys might not enjoy it as much, but Jim would enjoy it. The, the fun, fast-paced drums, um, you know. Yeah. I, I get it though. It's got to be. It's got to be a mutual, uh, you know, excitement for to you for you to play the songs too. So, yeah. And there's not a lot of. Listen, I know you're, you're a big fan, but there's not a lot of fans of a series of sneaks. So, if, you know, we just. It's not one of our biggest records, and the people that love it. the band might obsessively love it. But yeah, I get it. I don't know. Could we? Could we? Uh, I'm just wondering how many people would show up for a. Well. For, sneaks okay so i'm taking a quick break from the fan i got my next question up but that right. brings up the question of did you ever listen to the episode i did with uh jeff hot pockets bird uh no 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 prep you don't have to i've just but we got well, into a, a little bit of it i can't remember <laughs> we we got into a really funny conversation about um you know he loves it too of like some of the old tracks and and basically, you know, like um, creating this big event, you know, maybe in a few years, where every, you know, a bunch of people uh, get to pick a song, pool in money, to where we do like a uh, a fan chosen set list, like Pitchfork Festival used to do that, where they do like a fan chosen set list in the band plays. Um, so Jeff's on board to engineer it. We have a we have a few backers, so um, yeah, you know, we can maybe do something like that in the next few years. Are you talking about a show? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll organize it with uh, the tour, um, you know. Yeah, okay, all right, you just set it up and I'll... I'll... <laughs> okay, um, all right, Luke, he wants to know, he's got two quick ones. Any future albums um, and, and genres of music you'd like to explore that you haven't ever? Um, and then how much unreleased Spoon material is there? genres i mean i don't know i see, see seems like when i'm in austin most most of what i go see is country music so i could i'm a, i am a fan um that'd be fun i agree i would I love it i don't know if i've really written uh, a country song we have no, a country I, version I, I of with, with the alien beats I, I would try to write country songs there was i think i wrote one good one um yeah. Uh, so yeah, and then this—is there unreleased stuff? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, there's. <laughs> but um, Luke asked how much, so yeah, I mean, you can quantify that how you will. I don't know. I mean, uh, hard drives, several hard drives, one hard I mean, drive. There's probably a lot of unfinished, unreleased stuff. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but not like a vault of just a bunch of finished, no, done songs. No, yeah. no, like like Prince's vault. Yeah, or Prince, yeah. Where we finish an album and then throw it away or hide <laughs> it in there and never think about it again? No. Okay. Not that prolific. Yeah, I love a country I love a country record because I know, especially uh, this last tour, all the uh, pre-show music was all amazing country music that I love and that I played as well. So it's, it's really fun to think about because uh, I know your heart's there, but... Um, it doesn't always come out of you, but you know, that happens to a lot of musicians or music that you love, but I, I can't make that type of song just because I love that type of music. It's just not, right. it's two separate parts in your, in your brain or something. Uh, but yeah, we got the country version of, uh, Cherry Bomb. That's all, that's, that's all we got so far. Right. All right. Anthony wants to know favorite Austin city limits taping. Now you have several to choose from. If there's a way to choose, can you choose one? favorite um i mean it was pretty special to do that first one yeah yeah it kind of came of as a shock and i think we got asked right before you know with not much time um i think someone backed out of their season or something and we got asked at the last minute um that one was pretty great yeah it's hard to I did not pick your first sometimes. Is there a way to watch that in full anywhere? Do you know? I mean, I've, I've looked at the archives and stuff, but um, yeah, the rights and all that. Cause you guys, you perform for that festival. So like you don't have, you don't get copies of that or anything. Do you not festival, the taping, the television taping, I should say. 
Yeah, we don't have to, we don't have copies of it. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's uh, not a way you can watch it, but I uh, I would be surprised if there's not a way you could watch it. But I don't know how. Yeah, I wish they I wish they'd do that. The only thing I've ever seen from that is everything hits at once, um, which sounded great. You played an, like acoustic electric guitar on that one, I think. Yeah. Evan Lovejoy was there yeah. at the time, and um, yeah, sounded good. So yeah, we'd love to see that first one, but. Uh, Okay, so the first one, that's the best one, most special one, favorite one. Yeah. All right, Tom would like to know, this is an interesting one. If one were to just release like digital recordings, Spotify, iTunes, etc., is it necessary to hire a master engineer? Yes. 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 Um, There's two different types of mastering. If he's asking about like vinyl mastering, then yeah, you don't need to hire a vinyl master. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would, I would say generally music needs to be mastered (laughs) (laughs) After after the mixing stage. I think it will help. Yes. I didn't really get it when I was first starting out. Like, why do you have to put another sheen on it or whatever? But now I, I get it. It's, I think it's true. Okay. He also had a really quick one about, you have three choices. Which song is more likely to find its way back into future live sets? Finer Feelings, Satellite, or Who Makes Your Money? You guys still probably play Satellite, though, right? Yeah, we kind of still play Satellite. Um, between the other two, uh, probably Who Makes Your Money. Mm, good one. Okay. It hasn't been too long since we played that. Yeah, you brought that one back uh, in the last few years. Yeah, uh, I, I know in 2014 you had the people can watch the uh, great recording of that on uh, KEXP. That's that's out there. That's a good version of that. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> All right, uh, Jamie wants to ask. No, we're gonna skip that one. Same one. Another divine fits question. We already answered that. So many. Um, okay, Annette wants to know the best place to get tacos in LA because they're coming to the USA very soon. In LA, maybe home state. I mean, especially for bre- breakfast tacos, I'd say home state for sure. Um, other than that, uh, there's a place called Paco's Good Tacos that I really like over on the east side. Maybe try those too. That's a great name. Paco's yeah. Good Tacos. All right. There you go, Annette. Michael wants to know. Uh, this one's a little bit longer one. He says, I've noticed that Spoon sets its part with the songwriting specifically. So he's talking about notes and chords. They have unexpected dissonance. And uh, basically there's different examples, me and the bean, let me be mine. But uh, does this thing happen, does this happen with a conscious choice? Or is it just the That universe? there's dissonance in the chords? Yeah, do you, do you sometimes it? Sometimes it, hap- sometimes it happens, um, without thought. And then there's times, especially some of those piano, um, like on, I think if, if we're talking about what I'm, what I think we're talking about, it's like when the, the chords, the notes kind of rub, like when there's two, like a, a two notes used a half step away from each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he means. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So like we, you know, we intentionally did that on, um, uh, say my, my babe the the piano riff on my babe and on my mathematical mind i intentionally did that on the little bridge section and on um black like me the piano does that it's kind of easy for some reason on piano it it's sort of lends itself to that because it's so easy to hit those two notes right next to each other yeah but yeah it's a, good, it's a good it's a good uh kind of keeps you awake when you hear that mm-hmm. yeah so uh yeah, you can make a little bingo card for all the time you hear dissonant chords and spoon songs. And I would love to hear, Michael, what you, besides me and the bean, let me be mine. You've heard two more from Brit. Let's get a total. I would love that. Um, okay, Dad and Buried. Here's an, here's an easy one. Is there going to be another spoon album? Probably. <laughs> okay. That was easy. Um. Glenn, so speaking of the sneaks, this this gentleman, Glenn Byrne, was part of the band, the one night only band, the sneaks that played 
a series of sneaks in full. His question, what's the next great cover song that Spoon will make? And why is it the ballad of Dorothy Parker? Mm -hmm. And why is it? Yeah. So that's uh, what he wants. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good song, you know. There's certain songs that are hard to cover because the original versions are so perfect. And um, that one is pretty perfect. I don't know how you increase, you better the vibe on that or, you know, his read of the the lyrics. It's just, it's kind of untouchable. Uh, but the next cover song. Um... So it won't be that one though. That That's, that's what. Oh, I don't think it'll be that one. Okay. Uh, there's a song I really like called Adelita by Theo Lawrence. It'd be fun to cover. I learned how to play that song. It feels like summer. Is that the name of it? By I can't say I know that one. By Childish Gambino. Oh, just, yeah, it's just called Feels Like Summer. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a good tune. Um, I, I play covers a lot just because it kind of gets me in the mood to start doing music. It's like a good starting point. You know, yeah, like, that's like if my head has been in, in a different space and I've been working on, you know, answering emails from you or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, doing something that's very, you know, like <laughs> doing my taxes or something. If I want to switch gears, <laughs> then that's sort of like a good jumping off point. Yeah. Uh, Sleepwalk by um, Joe Strummer uh, is a song I learned not too long ago. I just love that song. I'm not sure if I can add to it, but I learned it because I just love it. Very um, cool. Big, Big Log by uh, Robert Plant. Great song. So yeah, I don't know. Would love to hear all that. Kate wants to know if you've heard the Kelly Clarkson song that completely rips off I Turn My Camera On. Oh, yeah. You know, I can't remember. How long ago did that come out? It was, if it was a while ago, then I, then I knew about it. Yeah, I mean, this is a the see the official Clay Clarkson YouTube posted it uh, seven years ago, um, but I don't know. Uh, I can all I ever wanted. Uh, yeah, so yeah. The 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 bass and drum part is absolutely it's clearly it's clearly a rip off of I Turn My Camera on the the rhythm section. Yeah. Um, what do we do? I can't remember. There's just been. To be honest, there have been several songs that um, that clearly ripped off. I turned my camera on, and we've gotten paid for at least one of them, maybe two. Um, I remember there was a car commercial that um, did it, and we confronted them, and we, they ended up having to pay us uh, for that. But I, I get, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I can't remember if this was one that we've talked about before or not. It's just just been it's just happened so many times. <laughs> I'll go back in my notes and see if it's like maybe I have it in my email or something. Hmm. Yeah, that's in. Yeah. Okay. So no, it's actually released um, back in like two thousand nine. So um, it was it's the it's the title track of a studio album that was released in two thousand nine. So you know, four years after uh, I turned my camera on. So. That makes sense. A lot of times those things happen within four or five year period. It's usually, you know, if it's like 20 plus years, then, um, you know, it's more like, oh, we're, we're doing an homage. But if it comes out a few years after, um, that could be considered, you know, yeah, a, a, a rip off as uh, Kate would eloquently say. And yeah, I don't I don't disagree. OK, um, Dizzy Bridges wants to know how was sharing a bill with St. Vincent and Wilco? So whether how the shows went, how the camaraderie was with them. Um, they both were great, you know, I have a lot of respect for both those artists. And with, with Wilco, we even got to, I got to get up and play um, camera, right? Um, I think yep. that's the same thing with yep. them. Um, mm -hmm. uh, no, it was just a, it was just a thrill. Even, even rehearsing with them in their, in their hotel room was kind of like a wow moment, you know, just to be there in this packed little room. And those guys are playing that, that amazing song. And, uh, and I was there helping them out. It was kind of fantastic. Yeah. There's a great uh, footage of that uh, fan recorded footage uh, that I watched. It's really cool. A lot oh, of people performance, like, yeah, of that song. Yep. Yep. 
Um, and it's cool because I think a lot of people, I'm sure there is, I know there is a lot of overlap in fandom of, of Wilco and Spoon kind of have a similar, uh, I don't know, album release schedules, uh, up and coming type, you know, the timing of, of the bands are, were kind of in tandem. So yeah, I think it's, uh, a lot of people love, love both of those bands. So it's, that was a really cool event for sure. Yeah. Um, here's one we ask a lot. I I think I've asked you many people ask, but let's get an update for 2023 thoughts on releasing a live album. We have no plans to release a live album. Okay. Fair enough. Um, do you, <laughs> I like live albums a lot more now than I used to though. I feel like they can be done right. Okay. So they're growing on you and yeah. you know, maybe in a few years we'll have an, another update. So these are all from, um, Renee, by the way, uh, who demands answers and I've, I've encouraged her to interview yourself for her website, but, uh, she's, she's, uh, just wants me to do it for now. Okay. <laughs> but a few quick ones from her. Uh, any songs that have come out in the past five years that you wish you wrote? Uh, let me see if I can think. Um, Beachland Ballroom by Idols. Roman Holiday by F Fontaines. Um, okay. Green and Gold um, by Leon Lahavas. Black Dog by Arlo Parks. That'll be the fourth one. Okay. Hey, that's really close to five. Thank you. With yes, with spontaneous on the spot. Um, she wants to know how is Sid the dog doing that you were fostering? Oh, he's good. I'm looking at him right now. Uh, because he comes and stays with me every now and then. So I did find a, an owner for him, my friend Melissa, and whenever she leaves town, I, he stays with me. Um, so he's doing a little um, vacation at my house right now while she's in New Orleans. Nice. Yeah, he's okay. good. Okay. Lovely creature. <laughs> Man's best friend. Um, okay, a couple of Grammy questions. Did you meet anybody there that you had not met before? That I hadn't met before? Well, I met Paul McCartney. Just this last week? Wow, that's awesome. There were, I'm sure there were a lot more. but Wow. That, yeah, I met Paul McCartney very briefly. Oh, that's cool, though. That's awesome. Wow. Cool. Did you get to watch the primetime ceremony and did you have any opinions on what you saw? Yeah, I went to that. Um, my favorite part was um, Stevie Wonder and Smokey Robinson. You know, there were some cringe moments during that ceremony. There were some uh, beautiful moments, but, uh, you know, <laughs> that's to be expected. But yeah, getting to see Stevie Wonder. Oh, that was just amazing. Yeah, that is cool. I've seen him once before. And then I saw Public Enemy, you know, and all the whole the whole hip hop thing was really great. Yeah, the um, tribute there. Yeah. Cool. I'll have to check those out. After Spoon lost, I slammed the laptop shut and, and didn't watch anything else. But uh, I'll get back to that you. true? That is true. That is true. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't, I, I didn't slam it. I, I gently closed it. Um, I was, yeah, I had other things to do, though. And I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what's that? You're a busy man, and it was yeah, a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure so, yeah exactly. Sunday. Who, ugh, Sunday. All right. Arthur, uh, he has some questions. How many songs does Brit write that doesn't make each album? I'm sure that's could probably varies. Yeah, uh, it's different on each record, but um, we had something like 40. You know, now when I say 40, I don't mean 40 finished songs, but 40 songs that we were working on. Um, that didn't make this last record. And then on the record before, I'm not sure if we had, might've only had one or two. I can't remember. Yeah, it, yeah, it varies. All right, he has a good one here. Favorite Bruce Springsteen album? Pick one. The River. All right, nice. His was Darkness on the Edge of Town. I was between The River for literally two songs and, but my, my choice is Born to Run, but uh, all good records. Yeah. All good records. All right, Joseph, um, he wants to ask about the awkward, he says, an awkward Grammy interview. Um, did that feel awkward or uh, it was like a minute? A few, we had a few interviews, but I, I think, think the minute and a half one where there's like two women that are like talking with you. 
I mean, I can't remember much about it. Do you remember what they asked? Uh, Just like, yeah, where were you when you got the nomination? And then you said you were sleeping. Alex is in the car. Uh, But before before I even went up there to have that interview, I remember talking to uh, the people that were running the Grammys who were sort of like orienting us and saying, you're going to go up here next. And I was like, that seems like a, a difficult job because those same two women had to interview every single artist that walked through the door. You yeah. know, there's no way they could know. They didn't listen to every. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just a, a tricky, some, a tricky business that they're up to there, you know? And yeah. Uh, you know, so they did what they could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree. That would be tough. Every, yeah, every artist coming through every, yeah, they did, didn't. How can you listen to every piece of music, whether it be your taste or not, and have intelligent yeah. questions. It to didn't ask. surprise me that those, that, that questions, uh, were very generic you know that's just what that's what that's all they got you know yeah or they could ask me how the band name came to be you know (laughs) oh where did you come up with that name spoon yeah i mean that's another question you can ask to every band um Mm -hmm. whatever but i didn't i didn't mind it it was the whole thing was just it's part of the part of the gig part of it it was part of the charm of the of the of the afternoon you know Mm -hmm. Okay, Kremi wants to know one thing. Is there, why is there no proper EU and UK tour this year? Only the couple Black Keys dates. Because. It's been too long. Because we lose money going to Europe. So when we go, when we play Europe, Jim and I, at the end of the experience, get a bill (laughs) for how much it cost us, you know? We lose money doing it. We pay for the experience. So oh, we don't do it um, unless, and and I and the reason why we lose money is because we're playing these small clubs. And the reason we're playing these small clubs is because we're just not, we just don't have a huge fan base in Europe. We just never have. You know, we could play, I think when we play London, we play maybe 2,000 people. And that's a good, you know, that's sustainable, I guess. And But when we play most cities, it's, I think the last time we played Paris, we played to a 500 capacity club. Um, there's a lot of 500s or 400s. And I think even on this tour, like I think we play Oslo and it's maybe 400. So you just, I don't know. I mean, I would love to play more often. Yeah. But it's purely a, an economics issue. It's not because we don't want to play. Right. Yeah, it's tough. But, you know, with especially with inflation, everything going on right now, the cost of everything. Of oh man, so Kremi, get here if you can, and, and see some shows. Yeah, well, the fans, we'll get over there anytime we can. You. you know, and we are going to have. We do have, I think, two or three headlining shows in June or July. Uh, we'll do as many as we can. I mean, the problem with touring with with Black Keys, we make a little more money, and we definitely play into to way more people. But you can't. Um, we can't play their show in in Paris and then play our own show in Paris. That that kind of like undercuts them, you know. Right. So yeah. it's just sort of a weird situation, and and touring in general has become much much more expensive in the last eighteen months because the way it works really is you know, every band had to get off the road for COVID. Right. And then when everybody, when, when, when finally they could tour again, um, every band wanted to go out at the same time. And all of the people that are, that make money selling or renting tour buses out and trucking, doing the trucking business that gets all your gear from one city to another, everybody that take has a, you know, can make a little bit of money or like, the the cost of lights or the cost of uh, sound equipment that you bring with you. Every one of those companies started gouging when, you know, there were more, there was more demand than they had buses, you know? And so their prices started going way, way, way up. The trucking used to be cheaper than buses. Now it's twice as expensive as buses. And meanwhile, buses went up like twice as much. So that's happening in all across the world. It, we can we're, we can still make money in the United States, but not nearly as much as we used to. It's kind of fucking scary, you know. And and we definitely, even though we we used to, we've always been borderline in Europe or lost money in Europe. 
now it's way, way more, um, it's way less profitable, even less profitable. So that's, that's the background on what's happening there. Yeah, no, thanks for the answer on that and talking about that because yeah, we that's... don't want to be there. We do. Yeah. Wanna... Right. Yeah. No, but it's, but it's, it's nice to, to get a little uh, insight on that because especially that used to be the way bands you I know. Know, made money it was the album sales are tanking. Everyone's streaming. You get, a, you get a penny for a thousand listens. So the tour buy the merch, buy a concert ticket and you're, you're helping out the band you love. And now it's, Oh yeah. Hopefully things will, I don't know. As time goes on, even out, I feel, Hope. Um, yeah. Yeah. 15 years ago, 15 years ago, the way we made the most money was records. And then, you know, records started getting, you, you can't make money, money off of records now that, you know, it's all about streaming. Streaming is very profitable for Kanye and very profitable for Rihanna. Um, probably mm -hmm. more profitable than the recording, the regular record business era was. Uh, but for, for artists that aren't part of the algorithm, songs that are songs and artists that are being constantly pushed out at uh, unknowing listeners like us, uh, yeah, it's just the bottom has gone out. So then, yeah, touring was the way that we would make a living. And now, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not a, it's not, it's just an easy, you yeah. know, something's gotta, something's gotta give something will hopefully even out there. Cause yeah, that's the, you know, and that's how many, so many, um, you know, independent artists really got huge followings is, you know, they put out their music for free on the internet and then all the people came to the shows, you know, and that was, that yeah. was the way 10 years, 15 years ago. So, yeah, let's get back to that at least, or, I mean, okay, follow-up question on that. Sorry, we'll try to be brief, uh, but has vinyl and as vinyl and record sales increased, um, like you said, album sales aren't what they used to be, but with like the last few albums, have you guys seen an increase with the record sales because they have been, you know, a lot more people are buying vinyl or. Uh, you mean in terms of actual vinyl sales? Profit. Yeah. Like, like a, as a band, like when, when a fan wants to support you, we want to buy the, the record. Um, um, over the last few years, is that, is it gotten better at all or no? I think that there's more vinyl sales, but that doesn't mean that there's more profit because vinyl sales are still such a small, um, bit of income. Um, you know, it used to be all about CD sales and now you do sell more vinyl than CDs. Um, but it's still, it, it's never really, that's not making up for where the industry used to be uh, even a fraction of where the industry used to be. Yeah. So um, I think that this last record uh, loose from the sofa did do better than um, hot thoughts, but you know, I haven't seen any money from it yet. And I you're, seen, I haven't seen any money from either record yet. Wow. And you're familiar. You just did your taxes. You said you're doing your taxes. So <laughs> no, yeah, uh, <laughs> It's just the way that, uh, yeah, it's just there's so much. You, we, the money that we do get is an advance. You know, every mm -hmm. record, every band gets an advance for for uh, when you hand over the record. Um, used to be advances that well exceeded the cost of making the record. And now with Hot Thoughts, I think that the advance was less than what we spent on making the record. I think this time maybe we had a few thousand bucks left over. So we did. So I'm saying we did make some money, but it was the money that we got was uh, went towards the creation of the record. And then the back end, you know, it'll happen, <laughs> but uh hasn't happened yet. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to talk about that. Um, okay. Like I said, we'll try to do some rapid fire here for your time. Um, <clears throat> Morgan. She's taking the mystery zone literal. Do you have a mystery zone or place you go in your mind to zen out? She asks. Um, I do try to zen out occasionally. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what the, the yeah. I, I, <laughs> I never thought of it as the, that being the mystery zone, but uh, maybe, I, maybe I will from this point forward. <laughs> All right, Laura. Um, she wants to know about your cover of isolation because it's, it's loved by many, their favorite, her favorite of all time. Will we ever get a, like an official release of that 
whether it be a live or a studio recording? Um, well, we did it for um, we did it for the Howard Stern show. Yep, that might be the best recording of it. They they actually really have great engineers there. Um, and I remember that that recording sounding really really good. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're actually gonna put out a release a version maybe okay yeah i agree that's a great version uh, on, on youtube you can find that um okay jordos just really simply says ask brit to hit up australia again so uh just like our other fan in the uk people want you to come as soon as you can just as soon as you can yeah i i heard some talk about that that it maybe it's going to happen um at the end of this year, it's possible. Oh, okay. Don't know that for sure, but uh, yeah, that came up. Okay, Jordos, it's being talked about. That's all we can say. Love uh, Australia. <clears throat> the fact that we didn't haven't been there for this record is really disappointing because we've gone for every record since uh, Kill the Moonlight. And uh, I just love it down there. Yeah, and that's infamously the lot of connection points to Hot Thoughts, Australia. Yeah. Right, so... People, people, as they say, as soon as you can, try to make it to Australia. All right, Blair wants to know, when is the George Strait covers album coming out? I haven't started working on that yet. I don't, I don't know any George Strait songs. I mean, I, I guess I probably would recognize them, but off the top of my head. Mm. All right. Allison, um, she wants to know about modern bands. Do you listen to them at all? From the sounds of it, you do, but maybe one or two you could recommend. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, is that modern? Is that, sure. I don't know, if, maybe they're not new. Big Thief, um, Andrew Cashin here in Austin, he's making, he's put out a couple solo albums. He's amazing. Um, the OCs, Theo Lawrence, Kevin Morby, Idols, Fontaine's, um, Arlo Parks, um, Horse Girl. On Matador doing really cool stuff, yeah. I it's another one of those ones I need to like sit down and make a list. But off the top of my head, that's what I got. No, that's a full afternoon for Allison going through okay. all those bands. You, you've you've done it. Cool. All right, Chewy wants to know why don't you put out more art prints for merch? Uh, again, as you talked about the art for this album cycle, fantastic. People love the artwork, but. Uh, Art, what is that? art art prints for merch. I don't know if they mean just like album covers, if you'd ever consider um, prints, like people, sounds like Chewy and others would just buy, like, hey, if you want to make a nice print of the album artwork, I mean, I suppose someone right. could do that themselves, but um, if it's through the band or something, or I don't know how rights work to that after so long or, or whatnot. But. Yeah, you know, I don't know what that even means, so it's hard to answer, but... Uh, <laughs> And I do like making posters. I always want to make these huge posters, but um, they I always get get told that's not profitable. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I'm up for it. I just I'm not really sure exactly what that person's asking. Okay. Well, there is a couple of prints of uh, you can buy for t in, t in t shirt form in the uh, the most recent album. You had a couple uh, art prints of the the artwork. But uh, yeah, you can also do some, uh, or people, like I said, you can, I, I looked at getting a shower curtain, um, a spoon album print in the form of a shower curtain not too long ago. Uh, so it's doable. You know, a lot of DIY uh, you can do there. Okay, uh, Liz wants to know, Satellite, about Satellite. It's extremely dear to her. And uh, the song, the melodies, the chords, she just wants to know a little bit about the inspiration behind it and how it came to be. I wrote that song at the same time as, um, around the same time as Inside Out, and it shares some of the same lyrics. Um, I think that that just happens sometimes. You know, you, you have these lyrics that you're sitting on, these sort of concepts or maybe specific words that you know you want to use as uh, in, a, in a song, and you have all these different horses going all these different songs. <laughs> like, this one might make it, this one might make it. And so sometimes those words end up in the same songs. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
we so yeah it's a kind of an older one and we did record it for hot thoughts and um or was it hot no we, we recorded it for um for they want my soul way back then and it wasn't quite ready yet it was one of those ones we were trying to force out the door before it was truly ready and then we played it live a bunch and then once we played it live then it was great then we finally got a good recording for this for this record awesome thanks yeah. um okay so two questions left fausto wants to know about any south american tour plans a lot of a lot of folks all over the globe um we don't have any plans i'd love to get down there i love going to buenos aires i love going to santiago um we seems like we tend to hit uh sao paulo and rio for for most albums we just haven't i don't know it hasn't come up this this time um i think it's probably again a money thing yeah. you know we get offered a festival like i think the last time we were down there we were playing the Lollapalooza south america and that helps things happen you know yeah to get some exposure down there yeah well and yeah and you get paid a little bit more money when you play on a festival and it makes everything you know so if he uh if your friend in south america he, he could start a festival or uh, <laughs> bribe uh, someone who does already run a profitable festival you know blackmail there you go fosto there's your way to get spoons south america very easy um <laughs> okay uh well, yeah some really uh wealthy company down there to hire us for a private gig we'll come do that there you go yeah, at a at a big uh yeah a big corporation saying you know i want to get down to these places it's just it's just money becomes yeah an issue mm -hmm. okay so our last one from tegan octography uh asking about the uk dates with black keys but specifically they already got the tickets but uh do you know by chance your set times like you already kind of mentioned you know it's it's a black keys show so you're you know you're playing with them but do you have any ideas of you know people i don't know the set times but we will announce it we'll put it on um usually what we do when when we're opening shows is is put it on uh instagram um and maybe facebook the day of uh of each show okay so look look out for that all right well yeah because people are always want to know well am, am i going to see just like 20 minutes am i going to see 45 and you know uh, oh, when, well, when, it's a, we'll when it's a tour play, on that tour i'm guessing we'll at least play 50 minutes there I you go. Go. okay so that's a, that's a good chunk and then their follow-up is i don't know how how uh you know far in advance but they ask do you ever take requests to put in the set uh sure okay there you go yes easy easy okay well hey i appreciate all your time today uh that was fun that was that was fun to get uh you know we talked about some current current stuff and then just uh, a lot of questions and and um yeah just spending some time today well thanks for all the you know all the work you do on the podcast and for you know it's just always nice to talk to you tyler it's fun yeah thank you so much and we'll hopefully see you down the road here <laughs>